A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter Pod. I'm Rob D. Catch me on X at Dead Pull Hitter, the Pull Hitter Pod at Pull Hitter Pod. This is the second part of my episode with Dustin McComas, where we will be talking about all things 2024, draft champion strategy, positions that we don't want to wait on, the closer strategy, late round darts with upside, and we pivot over to look at the online championship landscape as well. 12 team fab format on the NFBC and discuss some stuff on that format. So come check out the Patreon, patreon.com, pull hit a fantasy. Got a lot of things going on. You sign up, you get access to the Discord where it's just booming right now with constant analysis, fantasy talk. I think you highly enjoy it. Come give it a shot for a week if you want, free trial, and see if you like it. Here's the next episode with Dustin Comas. All right, so let's pivot to some your your your, your current DC world right now. And um, let's say right into that closer that we're talking about right now where where do you um where are you attacking closers right now um because obviously there's been a little recent shift brian presley's out um which i just got in a draft at 390 like i'm take i was like okay I'll yeah take it. for sure like, <laughs> because because if you're i don't know i'm speculating a lot like aj puck in that area um mm-hmm. for for Plenty of reasons. The fact that he was really good. Also, you know, Keith Scott gets traded or just can't find the plate like he did for the first three years of his career. And then, so all of a sudden, um, and and this team, I didn't get my second closer, uh, really at all. So I'm specifically eyeing up, speculating a little heavier in the mid round than I normally do. Um. Normally, I'll just grab one to supplement maybe my 40 or 50 saves that I'm anticipating at the top. Yeah. Um, and so then, like, and he's in, he's in my queue, Presley, and I keep looking at him. I keep looking at him, and I'm like, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> like, even if he just gets eight, or what if they go, like, and then I start asking myself the, the what if. Well, what if they get the spring training? And he's like, and then, like, he's going to get half of it. I'm like, this will be a great <laughs> Yeah. I talked myself into it because, you know, um, you know, when things happen when there's no ADP for it, right? There's things happen. So I had three open drafts where he was going so in one draft, no one really gave a fuck about the news. And st- 
They'll pick them 108. I was like, okay. Oh, no. And then there was another draft where he got taken around 275, 280. Where I was like, that's actually not that bad. Um, and then he just kept going in this one draft. I'm like, I think I think I'll just take Ryan Presley. <laughs> Why not? Got, yeah. I mean, what's, you know, like like Hunter Harvey goes like 100 picks earlier than that. Like, right. Exactly. Maybe, maybe Hunter Harvey gets a job. We don't know that. They really liked Kyle Finnegan last year, and, and he did fine. Like, man, that's the high. Um, I pick for Hunter Harvey, right? Yeah, I mean, like you know. I love the kid. Like, really, he was so good last year. But given his arm troubled and the fact that they said Finnegan would gonna would would be the closer to start the season, I, I, I don't know. It's just a little side thing, but like I love all that about trying to speculate for Hunter Harvey. But like he goes before some 170 innings pitch pitchers too. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, like I mean, you know, like like Jason, like Jason Adam, like okay, yes, like why too. can't Ryan Presley be Jason Adam? You know, like maybe not twelve saves, but if he gets you, like you said, eight, um, mm-hmm. fine ratios, he's gonna gobble up a couple wins probably because of the Astros. Like that's, yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great value. Like in that range now, I'm trying to draft like guys like David Robertson. You know, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just kind of like take a shot there. Um, but you like at every draft so far, I've tried to land one of um, Duvall, like Glacius. Um, I have landed on, on Class A, although like I'm not as fully convicted about that one, um, but <laughs> I landed on him. Um, but really I wanted a lot of, I wanted to try to get a lot of uh, Iglesias and Doval, like not the, I do have one Edwin Diaz, um, but like, not like in that range typically, but kind of that next range down kind of those guys are typically like the fourth round. Um, cause if, I mean, if you're going to compete in an overall, like in, in this format, you've, you've got to at least have some saves. Yes. And then really, really from there, like I, I, um, <laughs> I find it so freeing if you get a solid RP2 because then you're just like, ah, oh, I don't even have to think about speculating yeah, on the rest I of this know. stuff. Like, so the only guys I'm really comfortable with doing that with um, are Kimbrell and Seawald. And um, if I can get Kimbrell at like pick like 120 or something like that, like I'm, I'm so in on that. Like, fine. Like I get it, you know, like maybe – in the overall hunt, people hit gold later on with their round 36 RP spec and they get the same kind of saves and that they can boost them up a little bit. But like, if I, if I get these two guys and like, like, like my first draft of the year, I started, I had Doval and I took Kimbrel at first pick in the ninth round. And it's like, I've positioned myself to be really, really good in this category for the league. So I feel like I've kind of put myself a leg up on like, okay, winning the league because I'm going to rate so well in this one area. Um, but also too, like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I've kind of looked down. I feel like last year there were a lot more guys that I felt good speculating on. And like this year, it feels like there's more guys that kind of have their roles already. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, that's the thing that I think is going to be a true test of this season is, there wasn't a lot of turnover last year, and we always expect turnover. And mm-hmm. last year, the like the market was like, "Well, I want closers because there is so much turnover." Now, um, 
there's some lacks, I guess, but without there being super aggressiveness in the second and third rounds, right? Like yeah. it was last year. There's a lot of that happening. A lot of even double tapping second and third rounds with closers. Um, so now you, you know, you know, like you mentioned, that fourth or fifth round is a uh, big congestion of guys in that 55, 60 area um, that are going, um, or maybe even 50 if you go down to Duran and Class A. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but yeah, that that like where you go for the second one is huge because you know everyone always talks about the opportunity cost of taking. Oh, I don't want to take a closer because uh, there's a guy who goes twenty five twenty around here, and that's 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 hundred percent valid. But like you're saying, um, not only you're done with it, you're wasting less at the end where yes. you can take. Um, you know, you like. Uh, Joey Leprofito, and you're like, I really think he's gonna come up and and get some at bats. Like you could take more shots with those players, where, um, you know, just better things might happen for you. Like last, yeah, people do hit on late saves. It's gonna happen mm-hmm. naturally. I mean, there's so many drafts. There's so many ways that drafts go. Uh, I mean, Tyler Kinley is available around forty, and he ended up season if he gets eight or ten saves, you know. And the thing is too, like you know. You're not even expecting these guys to be uh, the closers for the year, but if they just get a stretch where they get six to eight, and it's just a piece of the puzzle, it just adds to the total. Um, I had Jason Foley last year and on the team that came in second overall in the DC, and I mean, 49th round without his six saves and where he was the guy, I would have probably not been in the top, you know, ten. You know, he was that important, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's so big, but it's still, it's to me, I still like to get it, if I can, up top. It's just that second group, like you mentioned, can get a little, a little risky, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, do you believe in Clay Holmes? Do you believe in to bring a guy in before the season, maybe even mid-season? Um, and we keep asking this question about Clay Holmes, and he keeps doing it, and he's not the best like he's not going to be a guy who's going to rack up k's and uh make it seem like it's easy but 24 saves isn't you know uh lacking but again pick 110 so you have to ask yourself that alzale has question marks to me mm-hmm. um there's just this group is the most worrisome and like i don't want to go here Often, like you said, like sometimes Kimbrough slips into this range, and when he does, it's easy for me. Um, I feel like, and even Holmes, I don't mind, but I'd rather not. That's yeah. the thing. Like, and that's why. And if you don't, and you don't want to go early, then it's like, okay, well, then you really have to be aggressive on maybe Leclerc or Robert Suarez or mm-hmm. Alvarado, and they all have question marks too. So that's how it, you know, that's. That's how the the tendency to want to get two, like you said, if Seawald's your second, you're like, okay, great. Now in round 45, you can take a couple of shots and be done with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, like for me, like I'd much rather want to be drafting like Parker Meadows and Matt Wallner than like an RP spec that might return me like no saves, you know? Like, right. like there's a guarantee that that guy doesn't provide me any sort of you know, any sort of value that I need, but um, yeah, that, that, that tier in that Kimball range, like there's, I'm definitely convicted on only a couple of those guys. And it's like, okay, if I don't get them 
at a pretty good cost. Like I'm just not really even thinking about this again until you start kind of getting back into the, uh, uh, for me, like the Finnegan range and those kind of guys, like um, the, the Philly bullpen is so confusing because they've got a ton of guys with great stuff and results and track record. And it's like, okay, how are they going to, how are they going to divide this all up? I have no oh, idea. Man, it's pretty um, crazy. And, and and at every point they're available, I, I talk myself into some sense that they might, right. you know, like I really like Hoffman. Um, you know, he was amazing last year and he really had a lot of high leverage opportunities and then at round 43 44 45 but i'm like take another shot i'm like well what if alvarado goes down is soto gonna be the lefty guy you know mm -hmm. like so you ask yourself that and you're like well he he was well capable of and he had a ton of holes last year he converted some saves and they just they worked wonders with him so there's, there's, and then, and then in round 50, you may be like, well, what about Sir Anthony Dominguez? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could go so many, or, or even Strom, right? Like Strom. Yeah. Yeah. Strom was so useful because he was started off as a starter. You racked you up some K's and then he just became this amazing swing guy. Um, so they have a lot of useful arms in the bullpen. And um, I, I did in, in, in one gladiator, um, I picked Alvarado, um, Kirkerin, Hoffman, and Strom. I picked the whole... You got to get the whole group. It was a stupid strategy. I'm like, what if I get 40 saves and, you know, like a bunch of wins and just great ratios, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just, just funny, fun stuff you try when you do, you know, 20 gladiators. You just, at some point, you're going to try something wacky. <laughs> That's what makes it fun. We gotta have That's some what, fun when we do this. Gotta have fun. You gotta have fun. Gotta have fun. And be the guy who's like, oh, you see this guy drafted the fully bullpen and he just won his league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so what position do you not want to wait on? Uh, Either for starters or for depth. Either way, like you know what, you know what have you found to be like? Oh man, probably, this... probably shortstop. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel because I'm way. I'm so I want to come out of those early rounds with a good batting average base and like like on their own like I like Willie Adamas um you know I I like Trevor Story not like bounce back like oh my gosh second round pick Trevor Story but I like Trevor Story as a guy that that could potentially get you you know twenty twenty and and maybe two forty um but like you better make sure you've got batting average covered if you get down there and you're standing with these guys and it's like, okay, I've got to take one of these two guys because it really kind of falls off after that. Um, so I, yeah, I've just kind of found myself to like, man, if, if you don't get like a Lindor, a Gunner, um, a Seager, a Witt, a Turner, um, there's just, there's some questions with some of those other guys and it's like, okay, if you don't get Xander or, you know, Dansby or those kind of guys, like you really got to take Adamus or Story or you've got to be content on one of those guys down the list there. So um, shortstop's probably the one that I just – I don't I don't want to wait on. I want to try to get one of those guys early on, um, you know, so where I'm not, not kind of dealing with the batting average risk or, or, or maybe even just kind of the, um, the risk in general as well.
Yeah, I no, I would agree with that. And there's a lot of them to choose from, like you said. And then you get to that tier where there's they're really good all around players. They'll probably still um, be, you know, plus plus values if you're looking at your auction calculator or your SGP. Yeah. Like the and, and they're like, oh, this guy's a value here. It's a good price here. So you should be the guys that are bubbling to the top in value. Like you said, they they may have some warts. Um, I personally think that like Adame is, is mispriced a little bit um mm -hmm. this season um but then it's also to that fact that you get a starter and you know I think it was like maybe my second DC where I was like all right let me uh I think it's time for backup shortstop and then I said I think I waited too long <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It maybe it maybe that's why I I feel that way because I've only been doing DCs and you kind of look and it's like oh shit where you know like like it, yeah, it falls when it falls off my backup <laughs> yeah when it falls off like it falls off you know and uh, so yeah it's 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 a and also effect. too like yeah like I'm I'm not really in on Nico Horner this year. Um, I mean, I don't mind Bo Bichette, but like, I'm not really like trying to draft Bo Bichette either. So if you kind of start crossing some of those early guys off your list, um, you know, Volpe, I, I, I'm not drafting him just because of the batting average risk. Like, you know, like to me, if I want to draft Anthony Volpe, like I'll just take Trevor Story, you know, like, um, so if you start crossing off some of those guys, it's like, okay, well, you better get one you like. Um, and then like, cause second base is kind of the same way. So when you're thinking about middle infield and somebody like backing up some of these guys, it's like, oof, you, 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 you know, if, if you want to get two good shortstops, you better take them early on. Or if you want to get middle infielder, you better, you know, grab that second shortstop. Yep. Without a doubt. And just, like I said, I just find that there's so many um, more outfielders available late. So just just pack in those 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 middle and corners mm -hmm. um as early as you can because it's the same thing like every every layer you know you want to have three shortstops minimum right in the dc and yep that's the same thing too it's like oh fuck pull the gonna be my third and maybe maybe you have like lindor and cj abrams and you don't really need that third guy to be strong um but still like it's like I said, it could be really, you don't want to be just having this complete dud uh, just in case you have to use them. You know, it's uh, it's dangerous games out there. What What is your, um, what's your thoughts on Tim Anderson this year? God, uh, it's I'll like. you on the spot. Because, I mean, you brought him up before, you know, so obviously. If you would have asked me that three months ago, I would have cussed you out. Uh, it just like he sunk me so bad last year. Like, I, I just, I've been, I'm such a batting average snob that like he was a build guy for me last year, and mm -hmm. um, I, I'm out. I'm, I'm completely out right now. But also part of the reason why is like he's still, I don't know where he's playing. Right. right. Um, the, so yeah. part of me is like, okay, if he gets into the right situation. Um, Cause I think that the white Sox are just a gigantic mess organizationally. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of maybe some stink that can be washed off by just going somewhere way better, a way better organization. And maybe um, cause he's, he's really talented. Um, 
So, like, yeah, if he ends up in a good spot, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, he's going to be the everyday guy in this different organization. Like, the price starts to look way more um, attractive. But he burned me more, he burned me more last year than anybody has ever burned me before. So I'm just like – I went for stretches. I was like I could not even – if somebody said the guy's name, I'd be like, I, you know, what the fuck, man. Like just don't like, – do not do not say that name. Um, so – but like if you're going to play this game, you've got to, you know, you've almost got to like, like evaluate the stats and the situation and not the name. Like you've got to try to remove as much bias as you can, um, you know, learn from what happened last year at the same time. Like if this guy lands in a good situation, it's like, Hey, you know what? He's going to be our everyday guy. And he's probably going to hit near the top of the lineup. It's like, okay, you start looking at his ADP and it's like, well, if he bounces back to even, you know, three fourths of what he used to be, that's a pretty dang good value right there. Oh, it's such a, I bet he, he definitely has some knucklehead to him too. Like it's just, just the just no good vibes last year, like with everything. No good vibes. I feel, uh, you know, it seems like he definitely legit did get hurt really early in April um, with that slide. And, um, yeah, you could just you could tell, like, I, as, as, as some maybe knucklehead things he's done or said, you know, I related to him. Not that I, I put up my hands and want to fight people like in that sense, but you could just see how frustrated he was, you know, in that, oh, yeah. mo- in that moment. It's just, you you know, when you have a season where it's just completely not like you and as an athlete or as a human, wherever you are, you're performing at your job or um, working out or something, just doing something you can't, you haven't been able to do as 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 good as before and it's it's frustrating so you can see that all bubbling out for him i would assume maybe i'm wrong that he's really hungry to prove that he's not that guy but yeah yeah i wish he had a team there's a lot of times where i'm like i think i want to like really build it into a narrative that he's going to come back and be better than mason win and you know Garcia or mm-hmm. Bryce Tarang who goes Bryce Tarang he's got a fucking 500 OPS and he goes 30 picks and a fucking Tim Anderson I don't know I just um that's yeah, I'm trying like, to think like where where like where could he end up San Francisco playing yeah, short was, if he plays short I mean yeah that's um, a, it, it, he's kind of got the same defensive questions you know Luciano has the only one that's like Miami Miami, yeah, yeah. But I mean, John John Birdie was like sneaky good at defense at short last year. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Um. So like maybe they're just like, hey, we're gonna roll with John Birdie. Um. I was like kind of looking through the list. I was like, where where could he end up? You know, know. even if he plays second base. You know, the Mariners just got their second baseman. Um. You know, like maybe he takes a pillow type deal in Oakland. Just goes to play. I was looking at Oakland too. I mean, you know, I mean, he got to be able to play there over Hernandez, or maybe yeah. they want to give Hernandez a shot. I don't know. It's just, um, it's 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 ugly. But if he had a team, I would definitely feel a little bit more secure about you know pick, about picking him right now because mm-hmm. he, you know, he. I think he may just have that ability to for us to be like, fuck, like, why didn't we take this guy? 
Yeah. It's like the yeah. only it's like the only time he's had like anything like this, you know? Like other times he's had some issues just staying on the field, but like it's, you know, the the per plate appearance stuff has always been been good. But yeah, like I'm trying to think in my head like like where could he like what like who has a spot open for him, you know? Like know. even even if he plays second base, it's there's just yeah, it's 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 the White Sox. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Hey, the White Sox need a guy. They. Yeah. They... Yeah. Like Oakland and in Miami, um, I just can't think of anywhere else where where it would fit potentially. Um. All right. Let's let's take a look at some all online championship twelve team stuff right now. Um. I was wondering if you took a peek and maybe had some guys that like, um, at maybe an early early draft costs or that would just be kind of like fades to you. Cause I'm, I'm just getting my, you know, now we got, I think 12, 12, 12 online championships. So we're mm-hmm. building up some data on that. Um, I, I think there's 12. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I might just be throwing that out or maybe it was from January. Uh, it's the beginning of January 10. Okay. Um, 12 overall. So, um, so yeah, so just dipping my toes into this and, you know, it's really, it's really different. Um, again, coming from a, a ton of 15s, when you again, I, I like to bring up that ADP board so I kind of like see, yeah, it motion, and I'm like, wait a minute, I can get these three guys on the same team. <laughs> it's so different because in like DCs, you can't, you know, get like I don't know. There's just a stretch of players where if you looked at the ADP and you're like, there's no way you get this in a 15 or have the option to. So I'm already playing with builds in my mind and I'm like, this is exciting. Yeah. You can go so many, so many different places. Um, Yeah. I had had some guys that were kind of just fade at costs guys for me um, in general, kind of regardless of format, but, um, like I, Royce Lewis, I'm not going to be drafted any, any Royce Lewis. Um, okay. and it's, it's a bummer because I love watching Royce Lewis, but to me, I, I want, I want to build, like, I want to feel good about the plate appearances when I'm, when I'm spending that kind of pick on a guy. I mean, he's gone as early as 25th, as late as 60th. Um, it's just, I mean, two ACLs, like the amount of injuries he's gone through. Um, and it sucks too, because if you read about Royce Lewis, everybody swears about the makeup and who Royce Lewis is, but yeah, um, I just can't, that cost and, and, you know, how little he's been on the field. Um, I can't do it. Um, Luis Robert, I, I won't be drafting any, any of him. Uh, do we ever figure out if it's Robert or Robert? It's Robert. I feel like, it's Robert. Okay. Yeah. I know it kept changing from time to time. So um, I'm not biased either. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, I, part of it is I don't really want anything to do with the White Sox in general. And fade the Sox. Fade the Sox. And he's another one of those guys that, like, if things start going sideways with that team, I, I just like, you know, maybe he gets a, a banged up here or there and, and you know, maybe he takes a DL stint instead of playing through it. You know, it just he's kind of had some some stuff there like that um, in Chicago. And 
I just especially in outfield too. Like there's so many outfield, especially when getting to 12 teams. Like there's so many. Like I will take Michael Harris every single time over 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 Luis Robert. Um, so I'm I'm not really um, in on him. Um, Aaron Nola for me, like I know he kind of pops in the projections and things like that, but it's just been kind of a, a wild ride with where he finishes and the ratios and, and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, I just you can't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's I, I just like other pitchers that kind of go around there. Um, and I just, I want to feel really convicted when I'm drafting those pictures there. Like, like I'll take a shot, like, especially in a 12 team, like I'll take a shot on Tariq Skubal. Um, I'll definitely take a shot on a, on a Freddie Peralta, um, you know, those are the types of guys I want to be drafting that sort of range. Uh, Nolan Jones, it, it's, I guess it's kind of self-explanatory. You know, you look back at some of the underlining stuff, um, underneath, um, Babbitt, things like that. Um, you know, and the whole, like, you know, full season type deal away from cores, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, jazz, you know, him being an outfield only guy, guy now, um, I just, you know, guys that play center field, playing center field's hard. Like you, you it puts your body, you know, you got to run a lot. You've got to sprint a lot. You've got to dive. You've got to, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, it, it can be tough on the body and he's, you know, he's a kind of a slight guy that was an infielder. And I just worry about the ability for him to stay on the field. Um, you know, what the batting average looks like. Um, he's another guy that that will kind of be in that early early fade range for me. Uh yeah, Royce Lewis is very very interesting. I only have him, I believe, in one DC. Um I think on a per play appearance level, he can be extraordinary. Yeah. Um I probably would be more inclined to take him in an OC where, you know, you I think you can like you mentioned before, you can afford to, you're going to have time, you're going to have the ability to make things work, patchwork mm-hmm. it. Um, and also, I just think that 12 team leagues, you're, that's, that's what it is. You can afford to take more risk. And if I just love the talent, um, I would, you know, the same thing with Ellie. I, I, I would be more inclined to take him in a, in a 12 team league, in an OC where, you could just move on from him if just if it's just not or or even in, not move on, but just to maybe have him in or, or on your team and you're not getting like fully exactly what you what you you know thought you were gonna get from him. Um, Nola, yeah, it's, it's a pain in the butt, but it's so I don't know so bankable the innings pitched in the K's and where. So many things are inconsistent with him, and it's a lot of question marks in the rest of the environment, the pitching environment. Some may look at that as, you know, as consistent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It's just like, and some people like that consistency in innings pitching case. Nolan Jones has been one of the most uh, polarizing players for me to analyze and. I understand the Babbitt was nuts and really good, really good luck with runners and Lawrence runners in scoring position, like really good production there that would probably regress. But man, he's again, here's like a narrative thing. I listened to a podcast with him 
And, you know, he brought up some things that I guess I think we take for granted. Like, he just learned outfield and the hardest outfield in the league. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting point. Like, through all that, <laughs> he still came up and tore the cover off the baseball. Mm-hmm. 2020 in, in, you know, not a lot of uh, plate appearances. And so, like, it's like that raised in my head, too. Like, this guy really kind of like full-time new position in course field handled lefties with no problems just seemed it just seemed like everything that i really like to look at he just crushed and dominated you know yeah and, uh, you see. and he also fits to the you know he's kind of a classic example of like a post-hype prospect yes you know like once upon a time he was a mega mega prospect and you know it's crazy that cleveland who's been dying for outfield um you know basically just gave up on him more or less 100 of all places colorado who i think is probably you know bottom tier when it comes to player development and analytics and research and, and all that sort of stuff like he goes there and he thrives Amazing. Um, so like yeah, really, I mean, really good listening to him too. He was on the foul territory, and those fucking dumbbells were, um, were trying to bait him into uh, <laughs> dumbbells. Yeah, <laughs> they were trying to. Yeah, I mean, they didn't. I was listening to the other day, and they didn't like. They didn't know basic baseball rules, like um, just about. I don't know rookie eligibility. Uh, it's I, I don't know if it was uh, Frazier or. One of them meatballs. They they were just like, uh, well, I mean, uh, maybe it was Evan Carter, you know? And they're like, what do you mean? He's uh, he's not a rookie. Is he a rookie? What do you have to do to be a rookie? And they're like, uh, there's 135 player players, you know? And they're like, what? I just thought if you played, you're not a rookie anymore. And I'm like, Is, are they being serious? Or <laughs> I was gonna comment too on their like post about it <laughs> on, on the Twitter. Stream. I'm like, I'm not even gonna fucking, <laughs> I'm not even gonna get into it, but. Nolan Jones, he was on their pod, and they were trying to bait him into talking shit about Cleveland, and he refused to. Um, he took the high road, and he was very well spoken. They were like, you know, you know, you know, got a, you know, they're trotting guys out there like, uh, like Will Brennan. This guy's not doing anything. He's like, well, 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 Will Brennan's my best friend, and he's a real good, like, he works hard, you know, like. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I, I just like the. I just like the way he was, you know, in combat and that he refused to take the bait and he refused to talk shit about Cleveland. He's like, I'm here now. That's what matters. Um, so anyway. he's the opposite of Jared Kalinick. hundred oh, percent. That guy's just <laughs> excuse guy after just... excuse. He was on, yeah, he yeah. was also on foul territory just recently. He using... unloaded on Depoto and all them. Yeah. Yeah. It's all their fault that he, that, you know, it's, it's all their fault. He didn't have a communication system with them. So that's why he failed. Um, sure. Anyway. Um, all right. So let's throw out some, uh, late, late round guys that you like here in either format. If you just want to pick a couple of guys and throw them out there, guys, you kind of feel strong about that can make a little difference to your teams this year. Yeah. I'll start on the DC side. You mentioned our guy, Colin Ray early on, um, you know, just the results. And I think there's some things with, uh, with the fastball, um, that kind of showed that there might be a little bit of growth there. Um, Adrian Hauser, uh, you know, where he goes and drafts, you're getting, you want a guys to just get innings and like he, like he's going to an organization where the guy in Stearns that had him in Milwaukee. So he knows 
why he's valuable. Um, and he was like not bad at all. Um, mm-hmm. Second half of the year, he's going to get deep into games, which is going to give him a chance to win. He's going to be in a better home park for pitching now. Um, the, uh, an outfield I really like, and you know, there's been some news lately that like he's still they're not quite for certain when he's going to come back. It'll be kind of cutting it close with mm-hmm. opening day. Uh, Stone Garrett. Yep. He's a guy yep. that if you if you looked at the the gra- the rolling charts, it things started to really click for him, like in terms of the um, how often he's making contact, the whiffs, you know, all that sort of stuff. And like, I think a lot of people still think of him as Stone Garrett, the short side platoon guy in Arizona. But mm-hmm. you know, Washington was giving him full run um, against righties and lefties at the end of the year, and he was really performing. And you know, we know Washington's not got like. <laughs> you know, guys blocking him or anything like that. Um, so he's he's an outfielder I like to target later on. Um, my my bold prediction um, we for go. the upcoming we go. fantasy season, um, and it's you know I, I'm staying true to the word bold. Like this is yes. this is out there, so don't take it to the bank. Um, I think Michael Kopech is going to lead the White Sox in saves this year. I was listening to um, Rob Bradford's podcast with um, oh, why am I blanking on the name um, pitching guy that's going to be in in Chicago now Brian uh, Bannister Brian Bannister yeah and um, Kopech came up because Bradford you know has a lot of Red Sox ties and and um, Kopech was a Red Sox prospect and the the way he was talking about Kopech and like you know letting him be free and letting it rip and keeping him on the field and you know, his like um, prep, like the preparation, like he was dropping all these kind of context clues that like basically Brian Bannister thinks that Kopech could be an amazing reliever. And that, that, that closer situation is wide open right now. Um, obviously it takes two to tango. Like, you know, Michael Kopech would have to be open to the idea of not being a starting pitcher and being a reliever, but um, just the way Bannister was talking about him, it made me think, man, this guy thinks that like this dude could be a lights out back end guy. He could like, you know, basically like, look, it, it, we'd be able to keep him on the field. He'd be able to just go let it eat for an inning. Um, and, and, you know, we'd keep him healthy that way. And I also saw too, um, at a point during the season last year, Ozzie Guillen went on uh broadcast. It was like, yeah, Michael Kopech should be a closer. So like, I don't know, like just that situation, his stuff, the injury history, what Bannister was saying. I think there's a little bit of a chance that Michael Kopech could end up uh, being that guy. Um, another uh, RP spec I like is um, Scott Efros in New York. Mm. You know, pre-injury, he was kind of a popular guy. Like, man, this might this guy might get some safe share. You know, before Clay Holmes kind of took that and ran with it. So uh, the where he's going is is really really late. That's one of my favorite kind of late darts. Um, if I'm chasing some saves, uh, I've drafted Justin Foscu a lot. Uh, I think around like pick like 600 or 550 or something like that. And um, really good hit tool. And there's been kind of some tidbits in the news that like he might have an outside shot at winning that DH spot for the Rangers. So if they don't bring anybody else in. Um, I could see him potentially hitting his way into getting some sort of role with them. And he's also, too, kind of on that Michael Bush situation where if he doesn't win a job, 
are they going to trade him and kind of get maybe some reinforcements of the bullpen or a, a starting pitching prospect or something like that. Um, so he's kind of a guy I like drafting later on. Um, you know, Tyler Alexander, when the Rays signed him, um, oh, baby. He, he was he was good. And I think that he's the new Josh Fleming in Tampa. One of those guys that's going to open some games. Maybe he'll steal you some wins when he follows a guy, gives you some pretty good ratios. Um, really like him really, really late. Same with Alex Fiedo. Alex Fiedo was awesome as a reliever last year. Um, I still think he, you know, he's got a shot at being a, a solid starting pitcher, but you know, who knows? He was so good out of the bullpen that maybe he just gets into one of those roles where he throws enough innings with good ratios that he's going to give you some value. Um, and maybe he steals a win here, there, save there. Um, and that's a closer situation too. That's, you know, not exactly set in stone. Although I like, you know, both Foley and then bringing in Shelby Miller um, is another guy I like there. Um, Jared Trillio from the, from the pirates, um, hits, um, good makeup guy can play all over the diamonds. I can see him kind of being a super utility guy, maybe picking you up some, um, some other positional eligibility, um, as the season goes on. I mentioned Seth Brown, um, Brandon Belt, I think is hanging out way too low at ADP just because he hasn't signed with a team yet. Um, you know, Paguero in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, I like the way he finished the year. Um, certainly not the sexiest like WRC plus and o- mm-hmm. OPS projection, but, um, if he plays at second base for the pirates, he's, you know, 15 homers, 15 steals, like I can get you batting average, but where he's going in the draft, I think that's a really good situation. Um, Darian Blanco in Kansas city is my favorite. Like, Hey, I'm going to take a guy that if I need steals, in this league, like I'm just going to put him in there and hope I can make up some ground um, in the standings. Um, Jose Budo in, in New York, like pretty good underlying stuff, like through yep. well, like in, in, you know, it better than I, the Mets are going to need some starting pitcher depth. Um, they're going to need some guys. And if he can give you, you know, six, eight starts, you know, in a DC, I mean, that can be gold. It's like, man, I'm struggling. And, oh, it, Jose Budo's in the rotation now. And he's, you know, he gets the, he gets the Marlins at home or the Marlins on the road or something like that. Um, so I like taking a shot at him later on. Um, you know, Jose Miranda, to me, got an even more interesting after the uh, Jorge Polanco trade. I, I don't know. There hasn't been a whole lot said about his health situation. But, you know, once upon a time, like, he was like a hot name in drafts and you know was was a starting guy for the twins and um i think he played through some injuries when he did play last year and was never really right um so now that you know polanco's out of the mix you know maybe he gets some more dh opportunities um maybe kind of climb back into the lineup here there um ryan yarbrough kind of like tyler alexander what the dodgers did with him when he got there um i mean i think he had um, some, I, I, he got there and it was some crazy stat where he had like a certain amount of wins or saves, like right off the bat, um, in LA, um, Ross Stripling going super late. Um, Alec Manoa, like, why not? You know, like, like what, where he's going, like, why not? You know, like we've seen him be really, really good for two years. Um, I think the pitch clock kind of just got him going in a direction and it just really, really, really snowballed on him um, from there. 
Uh, I mean, I've gotten them after pick 400 in a DC. I, I'll take a chance on that for sure. Um, and, a, and a couple of super late outfielders, Sean Bouchard and Jake Myers, like the Astros have said they want Jake Myers to play center field. Yeah. So yeah. I think we should listen to them. Um, and this, <laughs> this predates, this predates the new manager, like Dusty Baker. And like, this has been a thing for a while. That organization really likes Jake Myers. Um, and Sean Bouchard, like I know Hunter Goodman's got a lot of attention. Um, and I think a lot of that's driven by, you know, kind of the steamer projection for him, but uh, Sean Bouchard, like at the end of the year, was an everyday guy, um, and he's got some pop. He's got some pedigree. Uh, I mean, they were playing him more than they were playing Hunter Goodman at the end of the year, and I, I think he's going like after pick six hundred um, in some DCs. So you know, taking a shot on, on that sort of talent in that sort of ballpark, um, I think is a is a really really good idea. I like it. That was a nice slew of guys right there. I'm a little headed in on Garrett just because of. It was a very intense surgery he had, you know. Yeah, tibia, yeah. Multiple things. And also had, he, he also had a procedure, like another, I guess, minor procedure done on the ankle at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he was going to be back, but. And he, and he I did too. Be. He still might be, but, you know, I think they might slow. I backed out of the uh, room here. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I'm a little bit nervous about Garrett. Kopech, listen, he's still 27 years old. Like, and I just won't give it up. Reliever or not reliever. Yeah. Um, I He had a stretch last year where he was really good. Um, and then he went into a real big funk. Um, but you know, he developed a cyst behind his knee. He, you know, he had a lot of, uh, you know, he's having problem like landing. You could see it in the, in the pitch releases, mm-hmm. you could see it in extension. It was definitely affecting him, but I mean, he had, he had a, he had two games with that, that he went seven struck out nine. Um, he had a game where he went eight and struck out 10. And I know that was against the Royals, but still he had. Real, I just watched him in those games too, and he just looked great. And I still think that one thing that Brian Bannister did mention though is his specialty apparently is like working with guys who have lost confidence and or like um, like to recapture their old selves. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what he deemed. Like he even said himself, "This is where I excel in," and it's like Kopech is the perfect case for me. Like <clears throat> the the kind of like my perfect dreams matchup for me personally. And I don't know. I feel like at 500 right now, it's where there's it's a not smash. A yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have like all of him, but I, I do have, you know, maybe three or four shares where I feel confident, like confident that in that range, um, if, if, if everybody reaches their 80th percentile outcome, his will be way better than anyone around him, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. um, it's just, he's going to be one of your 15 ish, 16 starting pitchers on a draft champion. And at this range, I would give him the benefit of the, I would give him a shot, you know, at, 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 like I said, even if it's that stretch he had, like literally, um, 
I'm going to bring it up because like, I remember I, I fabbed him in a pretty big league and I had to get rid of, but yeah, he had a, uh, 10, 10 game stretch where 57 innings, 70 Ks, um, a 2.83 ERA and a 10.36 K on nine. And that's, that'll play anywhere in your draft. And at 500, that's a good shot. I got tons of Tyler Alexander. Um, I liked what he did with the Tigers before, um, he bounced. Um, Triello is definitely interesting because he went through the whole swing change thing at the mm-hmm. end of the season, and he came back slugging the ball. <laughs> you know, um, Buto was really good at the end of the season. He went through a couple of changes. I uh, was throwing harder. So the and the Mets, yeah, the Mets have a slew of guys that are ready. You know, in Buto and Lucchese, and then they have Vasil and Christian Scott. And I'm excited about Christian Scott, Dom Hamill, and mm-hmm. Blake Tidwell. Like they, they're all loaded down there. Um, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm happy that they, you know, as a Met fan, that they haven't gone out and just spent a whole bunch of money on a starting pitcher because I like to prove me contracts for Manaya and for Severino. I think they're both especially. Severino, I think he's going to be motivated as hell to fucking come out firing. And mm-hmm. then you have all these young guys that are coming up, and I want to see them, you know, and I think that's their plan. It's just like that's the way baseball's trending. Get the young guys up and supplement it with what you need. Um, so I like that there. Um, yeah, Jake Myers is interesting. Um, I think the assumption is, the narrative is, oh, yeah, Chad McCormick is freed. Or Yana Diaz is gonna catch you all the time. Like, yeah, sure, maybe that's that that's what we want to say. I know Dana Brown said that about Diaz, but what if Joe Espada is exactly like Dusty Baker? Mm-hmm. We have no idea. We haven't seen his usage of 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 anything, you know? We're assuming that Dusty was making these choices on his own. Maybe he was, but we have no idea until we see it. So um but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I've been off on Chad McCormick just for that reason because like I don't know if he's gonna get that. Like if he's still gonna end up with four hundred and seventy plate appearances, I don't want to take him at one sixty. Right. You know. Um, Agreed. So, whatever. I'll lose that one. Um. All right. What do you want to? Do you want to hit up some breakout players? I know you wrote down some very. Yeah, it, it, I feel like, you know, maybe just generally um, – I'm looking at my OC list. Like, it just kind of the difference in OCs and DCs is, like, Ty France barely gets drafted in OCs, you know? It's yeah, like yeah, – oh, it's know. just kind of – it's kind of wild how, how different that is. Um, I wouldn't mind just, like, completely – like, I would take him as my starting first baseman in OC. Yeah. And just um, have everything else really strong. And if he does make some gains in the power department, you got a guy that you that you could probably reasonably just, you know, settle in with on most weeks. Or if not, you just, like, it, it's a position you stream, right? Yep. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, like, I feel like as I've done more drafts, I, like find myself thinking that the upside breakout guys are guys that have already kind of done it before, but had major setbacks for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just kind of feels there's more of those guys than like the, the sexy, shiny, 
um, prospects. Um, and maybe part of that reason why is that like people are not hesitating to draft guys like Wyatt Langford, like super early on and like true Jackson holiday and things like that. So, um, I'm kind of like, like I find myself like, okay, like my risk in DCs has been like, you know, taking guys that like an Alec Manoa or, you know, I know I just, you know, talk shit about the white Sox, but like, and I don't think this guy's going to stay healthy, but if Eli Jimenez is sitting there near pick 300, like I'll take a shot on Eli Jimenez. Like that, <laughs> you know, that, that to me is where I want to take, you know, kind of my risk, but I am surprised. Like um, I think multiple people mentioned it on, on your podcast, um, Noel Le Marte. I thought for sure he'd be like surging into like pick 100 range. And he's still kind of in that like 140 to 170 kind of a range. And I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's not going to be like a guy for the Reds. Like even recently they said, hey, you know, Jonathan India is probably going to play all over the place. Okay, what is that telling us? Noelle Marte is going to be in the lineup. Um, so until he starts climbing way up there, I, I think he's a, he's a prime uh, breakout guy. Um, I love Matt Walner. Um, yep. just the, the swing decision stuff, the power, um, you know, the way he performed last year, uh, there's not many guys you can get later on the draft that could potentially pop you, you know, 30 homers. Um, and, and he's one of them, um, on the pitching side, uh, Chris Paddock to me, you know, the stuff he showed in the performance, even though it was a very, very small sample, I know. But, like, just seeing a guy get back on the mound after that procedure and have that velocity, that command, and that stuff, um, I'm really optimistic about what he can do in Minnesota. And Minnesota, to me, is one of those teams that's earned a lot of trust on the pitching development side. Um, I know that's, you know, know, one of the things that, that I talked about early on was teams will start trying to pluck your guys if you're really, really good at something, you know, Boston comes in and gets a pitching coordinator um, from Minnesota, which um, it is a big deal. Rob Silver, Um, those, those guys do, uh, do matter. Um, But like, that's just turned into a a pitching development type organization. So I want to get my, you know, fingers on some of those guys if I can and and paddock where he's going right now, I think we could get, you know, two months into the year and people like, Oh my gosh, why didn't I draft Chris paddock at, you know, pick 300 and um, in these drafts. Um, I did just, you know, deservingly make fun of Kalinic, but I believe in what the Braves do so much on the hitting side that like, I want to take a chance on that power speed combo where he's going. Um, They're just Elena to me is at like the very, very, very top of the hitting development side right now. Um, I've just, I've kind of heard stories of guys secondhand who go from warm organization to Atlanta and like how their minds are blown when they get there about, you know, what they show them, you know, what they have at their disposal to work with, like all the dedication they have to these guys. And like a lot of it's like, you know, swinging at certain pitches, not swinging at certain pitches, you know, stuff that you can drive. I put Michael Harris on there. I mean, Michael Harris goes too early to be a breakout guy, but I just love, Michael Harris. I think he's a guy that's going to go in the first round of, of next year's drafts. Um, nice. Kyle Bradish is one of my favorite um, pitchers, period. Um, if I can get him 
pick 80 or later. I'm, I'm all in on that one. To me, he's going to be going, I think, next year where George Kirby is going right now, uh, just because of the wins, the ratios. Um, the strikeouts aren't going to be like eye-popping, but it could be you know close to nine Ks per nine. Um, and then Tristan Casas, like interesting dude, great at bats, great work ethic. Um, you know, his second half last year, the way he was – you know, what he was swinging at, when he swung at it, um, the way he was driving the baseball, um, he could have a monster year, um, you know, big, big power from that spot. So uh, I think that you could get to the end of the year, like, oh, my gosh, Tristan Cassis hit 40 homers. Like, yep, he had that in him. Mm, Brad, if you made a pop my ears on that one, I think it's, you know, people make a big deal of the four-seamer and they're like, oh, he – you know, he, he got better because he threw this four-seamer less and the slider more. And <clears throat> on the surface, yes. Uh, but a lot of people will not realize is how much he improved the, his horizontal run on that four-seamer versus lefties. So that's the thing. Versus lefties, if you take a look at the charts or you take a look at the numbers, how much uh, more run he got away from their barrels in the second half was a legit change. And so he threw it less, but he also was able to spot it better and make it effective when he did throw it less, you know, and he utilized it versus lefties. So just those little things, too, that I picked up when I was doing my dives on these players. And again, you don't know if it's like it was such a like a, a short run he had of it, like 10 starts, 12 starts. But to me, it just shows like they, that, that, that he was working on something with mm -hmm. them, with the team. And um when i like met, when i saw that i felt a lot more comfortable with how i felt about his arsenal and about his approach you know going forward i really i, I kind of liked him um in general but then when i really did the like a deep dive I'm like oh wow this this he made legit change with the four seamer uh, against lefties and so that that's huge and i do think uh both him and grayson are gonna be really solid this season without a doubt mm -hmm. um that's another organization that like i am fully convicted they know what they're doing and they know what they're doing better than almost everyone else in baseball yeah without a doubt uh and that's why my most rostered pitcher um deep in draft champions is uh chase mcdermott um just fully laid into taking him late he's, 20, he's gonna be 25 and a whole bunch of innings last year and again reading reading the tea leaves of we won't trade for pitching we don't need to well looks like you might use this guy right you know, yeah just yeah like, and Cade Povich is another one I really 100% really like as well. yes yeah. yep they've got I a like. few guys hanging out down there that we might get into uh into August and it's like oh this is why the Orioles didn't go break the bank or you know deplete the farm to go get an arm because they've got these guys coming up yep what you think is What's your biggest thing about Michael Harris that really makes you like believe in him as being, you know, I don't think people, re I don't think people realize how hard he hits the ball. Yeah. Like for a speed guy, that's not like a very big physical guy. His exit velocity stuff, like his 90th percentile stuff, it rates extremely, extremely well. Um, I think he's going to hit, in a better lineup spot, um, especially against righties. Um, the, the chase stuff is concerning. Um, but like, again, like I'm so confident in what Elena does with, with that sort of stuff that 
I think they're going to get the most out of him. But he's it's really 22, like 22, right? He's still yeah, 22. He's still, <laughs> still 22. And I mean, he's also a type of prospect too that like this wasn't a, a polished college guy coming out. Yeah. This was a really toolsy athletic high school guy, a, a, a projection guy. So like those arrows for those guys are still typically pointing up. Like they're still. Um, I mean, those are types of guys you see kind of pop when they're, you know, 24, 25, because they just need to play a lot. Um, he's already kind of popped. So, yeah, he's, he's still really young. He hits, I mean, I think people don't realize how hard he can hit the baseball. Um, and there's a couple of things I think if, you know, you know, maybe putting the ball in the air a little bit more and stuff like that, a better lineup position. I just think that, like, if I can get a guy – that might hit 300 with 20 homers and, you know, 25 steals in that lineup. I mean, that's, that's goal. It's it, to me, it's kind of like a, a light version of Freddie Freeman potentially um, right. is what he could give you in st- in statistically. And um, I really, really want batting average guys. And I really, really want hitters in Atlanta. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Batting average is huge. You play in a 15-team roto league. It's been plenty of research and work done on that. Steve Weimer touched on it tons of times and showing where you get impact average players and they don't reside deep in the draft. Get a guy up the top, sprinkle on some speed, just makes him real golden. I think he's a real safe pick. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. He gets into a... Maybe swap some his spot with Albies in a couple of uh, games, you know, and mm-hmm. bat second or whatever. Maybe just say, hey, you know what, this guy's better batting second. It could be that would be huge for him. That would propel him into uh, really top echelon guys for sure. Um, all right, let's close this out with some duds. Give me some dud players, guys, that you, <laughs> that you won't have no share of. I know everyone loved when I say the word duds, but give me some of your duds. The the Walker Bueller ADP makes absolutely no sense to me. Oh it's like if, it's if you draft terrible. him, it's you've gone on your way to ignore everything that's been said about him. Um, even if you ignore that. You're ignoring, you know, the injury history coming back from a second Tommy John. Like I, I do for the life of me, I cannot understand that one. And then the whole six man thing as well. So um, this one pains me. Um, Mitch Keller is a, is a, is a dud for me. And I think people are overlooking the catching situation in Pittsburgh. Mm. I like Henry Davis. Um, We're not that far removed from the pirates playing Henry Davis basically as an outfielder only. And now he's going to be the guy like, and also people too, Austin Hedges was there in Pittsburgh last year. Austin Hedges is basically getting paid $4 million to groom catchers in Cleveland. Cause that's how good he is at it. Like he is a phenomenal defensive <laughs> catcher. Um, you know, a catcher guy to have groomer. around catchers. <laughs> like, Never mind a dog groomer. We got a catcher groomer. Yeah, that's yeah, a, you know, catch, a, catch that's on his business card. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that. No, that's a good line. Um, I like that one. <laughs> and like, so like, I to me, like Keller, where he's going, I mean, you know, is he going to repeat the workload? Uh, I, just that catching situation, like, just just scares me for for all of those Pirates pitchers. And then uh, Zach Geloff, it's just part of it's the contact rate 
when you kind of looked at the minor league data, um, you know, Dylan White and those guys at Baseball America had a story out recently just kind of looking through, can we predict, you know, the next prospects to really hit it big by looking back at, you know, contact rate and, you know, in, in the zone, chase rates, exit velocity, all that sort of stuff. And his contact rate, I mean, it's 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 pretty scary. And then you combine the fact that he's playing in Oakland and like, when's the last time Oakland's had a guy that had like, you know, 80 runs in, you know, an 80 RBI in a season or 70 runs in 70 RBI in a season. Like, it's just not a good place to hit. It's not a good lineup to be in to hit. And I think his contact rates are, 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 are pretty scary there. Um, so yeah, he's, um, he's another one of my, my duds um, that, you know, and a couple of those guys I mentioned early on too, like um, I just like, to me, Larice Robert is just, one of the most fascinating guys early in drafts. I could see it being like 40, 20. And I could also see it be like 270 plate appearances checked out. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's tough with him, man. He's just like so tantalizing, but I yeah. can totally see the drawbacks of him. Um, you know, I, I, I think he just goes with like a specific build or if he falls, he's the kind of guy like, He's the kind of guy that I'm most nervous about in the main event when pitching and closers will start getting pushed up. Mm-hmm. And I can see like Luis Robert just like falling and me going, okay, well, I didn't draft him all season. I have to make this decision. That happened to me last year in the main event. I didn't pick any Ozzy Albies all season long. N- none of my uh, 15 DCs. No gladiators, no OC. Main event comes. I'm at the wheel 15. He makes it all the way back to 75, which I think when we got to Vegas, there was like, I forget how many drafts, but there was a good amount of drafts. And I think his max was like 67. It was by like eight picks. And I was like, oh, but I knew enough about him that I felt comfortable with him at the spot. It's not like I didn't dislike him. It's just that wherever he was going in drafts, I was always going a, like a different way, yeah. you know? And so I think Robert's going to be the kind of guy that I'm going to have to, you know, really understand what I'm going to get from him if that happens, you know, because I feel like it's going to happen. It's some, But he's also the kind of guy, too, that also gets pushed up because he's... People Power like speed, to, yeah. People like to swing for the fences and like he's the kind of guy that you swing it with because it was like, oh, 40-40 kind of guy, you know? Um, I don't have uh much Mitch Keller, maybe just one. Um I'm not really like off of him completely. It's just that there's that that swath of pitchers where he is, he's just the guy I like the least. <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's just, just the way it happened. I mean, Sale was hovering and, and Rodon were hovering. I was gonna around. say Sale and Rodon, i yeah, that yeah. I'd much rather take a little you know, especially in early draft season, like they were going after him, and I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, sure, you know. So that's kind of why I haven't really touched on Mitch Kelly. And Bueller is just, I, don't know, I never really liked him when he was excellent because the estimators never really just like always showed like he wasn't as good as he was, you know. And now, like you said, just too many things mounting for him. Uh, it came out and said they're they're gonna ease him back in, and so I mean. Uh, draft costs. I don't know. It's just interesting to where like 
ADP gets formed after two drafts and guys don't change much from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild how that happens, you know? Um, it's such a phenomenon. But um all right, man, this has been this has been long. I know I've been ke- I kept you for too much time, but this was great. I appreciate your time and, and your insight. And uh, you know, I hope I hope you have a wonderful season this year and you crush it and um do some live drafts in Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah, likewise. And uh yeah, it's it's been a pleasure and an honor. And you know, I used to work in um when I first got out of college, one of my jobs was producing sports radio and you know, I'd always say, like, you know, you could tell the shows were good if they're going fast. And uh yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This definitely went fast uh yeah. for as for as long as we were on here. So um no yeah, me in Vegas, um drafting drafting the main. I don't know if I'm gonna jump into anything else yet or not, but definitely at Maine, but um go up there and, and really just uh you know the fun part just seeing everybody and and hanging out and and having a good time and stuff so yeah very very much been counting the down the days until i get up there and very yeah. much looking forward to it without a doubt man it's been training and all this fun stuff and it's almost uh, truck day so yeah lo- people coming. are loading up the trucks to go down to spring training and you know it's fancy baseball season when Derek cardi is arguing with people about prospects on twitter so we're yes we're that's like the kind of one of the official, all right, we're we're getting, you know, it's almost, it's almost here. Spring training is almost here. When, when, when the bat comes out and Cardi's arguing with people about Ellie De La Cruz. 100%. He's probably wishing it was still in football um, <laughs> in land, but yeah, that's definitely true. It's just, I noticed that I spend less and less time on Twitter these days as I can, but I hopped on for a little bit and I saw that he was everywhere and I was like, oh man, he, He's uh, you know, that's what he does though. Like he, 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 he's um, he's very well respected, and people look up to his work. So, and then there's so the people who really trust him and love his work are like, hey, you know, what about this guy? And then you have the people who disagree with either him or just analytics and projection, and they just want they're gonna question every guy. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets it from all angles. I mean it's it's what he does. He's in the spotlight, you know, and he does something really well that pe- and he's got a product that people really, you know, um use a lot. So they're gonna be, you know, uh I was like looking at a couple of guys, I'm like just brought down my my uh my dollar value on a couple of players and I'm like, oh man What's happening here, man? Like, why don't why don't you like these guys? <laughs> so I have to I have to I have to dive into it a little deeper. He clearly clearly loves the you know barrels, and um, yeah. that's that's clearly evident. Um, but I don't know, got to dig a little deeper for that. But um, on the X machine, you are at Dustin L. McComas, right? That that's right. Two me C's, on one M. Yep. 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 And uh, yeah, a lot of uh, you'll get a lot of baseball stuff you know obviously my work with the high school side and stuff but Which especially at five tra- tool right that's the um yeah uh-huh yeah at five yeah. tool spelt out and five uh tool. like once spring training gets going and stuff it'll be a lot of a lot of baseball and everything else so awesome um, man it's yeah i'm like you i spend less and less time on there and now when i tweet it's it's typically about baseball and very rarely anything else so cool Awesome, man. Good to have you. Appreciate your time and your insight. And uh, for everyone listening to the Pull Hitter podcast, thanks for listening and don't be a bag of shit.